0: Wild, a Fangraphs baseball podcast brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I'm Meg Rowley of Fangraphs, and I am joined for this episode by Craig Goldstein of Baseball prospectus. Craig, how are you?
1: I'm, oh, I'm tired. I'm gonna be honest. I was gonna say I'm good, but also tired. I'm really just tired. How are you?
0: I'm similarly tired. I don't know if you have this experience, but I often, when the, the end of the regular season is as chaotic and is you know, potentially setting up further chaos into either the playoffs or the need for a tiebreaker games, I get caught up in that, you know, I have a lot of, like, excitement and feeling, and then that all ends, and I have to grapple with not sleeping very well for a month and, and working a lot. So I have moved through that to excitement about the postseason because who on this podcast wants to listen to me complain about uh, my cool job? But I'm preemptively tired. I am anticipatorially tired, which yeah. I think is worse than being actually tired, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean to be fair, you'd be complaining about both of our cool jobs. Yeah, but I identify, and I think not not to actually complain about the very cool thing that we get to do, but I think to just explain, like, there's like a come down from the high of the end of the season, right. except for us, like it's work, and that is also energizing. But yes. th- you've also just spent. Expend- expended all your energy. Right. And now it's like a month long sprint. Yep. Like, I guess, I don't know, I am not an athlete in any capacity. Uh, but I imagine it's like whatever some mile of a marathon or triathlon or whatever feels like where you've just done so much. And then also, oh, wait, you actually have to just push harder now or something. Right. I don't know. I'm sure many of the listeners are very good athletes and have a better comparison here. But the, I have to imagine that's what it's like as someone who's like, exercising is just making yourself tired, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that's a pretty apt metaphor. Well, setting aside um, the the sort of anticipation of being tired, what is your sort of philosophy on the desirability of chaos? Because part of why you and i are doing previews for the wild card and we'll spend part of this episode sort of talking about these wild card matchups and what we're looking forward to in the playoffs more generally uh and part of why it's just you and i talking rather than having say beat writers re- representing these teams talking is that we we didn't know what the day would hold today until um, you know the evening yesterday, and we you know want to make sure to get a podcast out in anticipation of wild card games and what have you. So, what is your sort of general philosophy around the potential for chaos? Is that exciting for you? Are you team entropy, or do you like to have sort of more decisive and early conclusions to playoff hunts?
1: Yeah, I, I think despite. The nod towards complaining or whatever about our, our work. I am very much pro chaos. Uh, okay. I don't know that the, the work actually gets any less tiring or whatever, knowing what's going in. I suppose there, there's a certain amount of preparation that you can do and it's, mm-hmm. it's a little more crammed now, but I think for the most part, it's not that much different. And the excitement is what it's all about, right? The end of season. I mean, being able to go into the last day of the season with you know, four teams in the mix for the AL wildcard and NL West race, you know, still technically undecided. That's, I don't know, that's, that's what it's all about to me. Like, that's, that's the point of having these exciting seasons. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think, look, it's the end of a, you know, being able to prepare is one thing, but it's the end of a long season regardless and the beginning of a sprint. So I'm I'm all for making it as, as difficult on us as possible if it means the most kind of drama for, for everyone.
0: If you had to rank your disappointment around the outcomes of yesterday's games, how mm. would you order them? Because we were robbed of tiebreaker games. We were robbed of uh of of seeing the potential of the Blue Jays in the postseason. Seattle did not get to even get a shot at stymieing their playoff drought, so they are still dry. And now 21, which is confusing. No, that's not right. This is the 20th year, isn't it? This is officially yeah, the 20th 2001 year.
1: 2001 to 2021.
0: Well, then maybe next year is better. <laughs> to break the drought, because then they can have a glass of champagne and enjoy it. And your your Dodgers were not able to play a, a tiebreaker game today because those Giants just don't stop winning. We officially have a, a Red Sox Yankees wild card game, which can you know hit people differently some people are excited about that and the rivalry others are kind of bored of that particular matchup so was there anything that didn't happen yesterday that you were really wishing would have transpired
1: yeah, I would have liked to see the Blue Jays at least in a in a play-in game. I think yeah. they're one of the more exciting teams just to to watch in general. I think I'm sure I've said this elsewhere, but like their jerseys are extremely aesthetically pleasing to yeah. me. I I just think like they're visually both from an aesthetic standpoint of their uniforms and then also all their just their their various players uh in terms of what they all can and do on the field, like it it's I I really was hoping to get a little more of them. I thought I also wanted to see I wanted to see them rewarded a bit for what they did in the off season. I thought obviously the Semyon signing was incredible. Yeah, and I wanted to see that rewarded. George Springer was not healthy all all year, but you know, coming out in in a big game, hitting a couple home runs yesterday. Like I would have liked to see playoff George Springer in action again. Uh, Robbie Ray acquired him last year and then, you know, brought him back and he turned into potentially the Cy Young winner. Yeah. All of that, you know, they they went and got Jose Barrios, right? They did all the things I like to see teams do as they spring towards contention and they won 91 games and missed the playoffs. And that's a credit to their division. But I, I think that tops the list for me in terms of disappointments. I would say, I guess... Related, I'm not thrilled about a Red Sox-Yankees AL wildcard. Not just because I'm writing our AL wildcard preview. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, I just like... You, you and I are the, the same age, and I think coming of age and when we did in terms of baseball and all of that, like we've been exposed to a lot of, of Red Sox Yankees. I went to school in Massachusetts when the Red Sox won the you know the, the two thousand four World Series. I, it's it's just it's been a lot for me, and it's just, this particular rivalry doesn't really hold much appeal. I it guess it doesn't move you. It doesn't even feel particularly venomous. I think they both hate the Rays more at this point. <laughs> and it just, it always feels long. Yeah. Like just the games are long and difficult and dry. And I say that, although the John the Carlos Stanton home runs in this last series that they had uh, in September were very dramatic and very fun, yeah. but it's still difficult. It's kind of like a big capper to an otherwise like just tough road, I guess. I don't know. Right. Anyway, yeah, th- those two I think are are at the top, but the Blue Jays, Blue Jays one and, and Red Sox Yankees too.
0: Yeah, it's you have to win the games, right? And we want yeah. teams to be incentivized to compete hard for their division. I think that that's part of why not seeing Toronto in the postseason is disappointing to your point because they looked at the the AL East field and said, Oh, we need to get better so that we can kind of go toe to toe with these other three teams. And just the inability to upgrade their bullpen quickly enough seemed to really be their undoing. But they, you know, they're like a plus 183 run differential team. Like they're, <laughs> right. you know, you can tell that the bullpen was the problem. Like they underperformed their Pythagpat and base runs record pretty considerably. And then you have the Yankees and Red Sox, which are not bad teams. It's not like, you know, a sub 500 team snuck their way in or anything like that, but um, perhaps not quite as strong as their record suggests uh, in part because of injury. And they've had, you know, the Red Sox have had their own bullpen issues. They really tried to have them at the the most important time of year, but held on (laughs) when it counted. Do you think that it would feel better? So you have Toronto. Toronto did what they needed to do on Sunday. They won in pretty decisive fashion. And then you have the Mariners who did not do what they needed to do. They ended up losing to the Angels, although our listeners will be happy to know that Otani's home run was not the the margin of victory, and so peace can remain between me and Ben for the duration of this podcast. Which do you think feels better the day after knowing you did all the things that you could have done and it just you know it it didn't come down to you that's too bad or knowing you wouldn't have gotten it anyway (laughs) so it's okay that you
1: lost well right i was gonna say it's not i mean they didn't do what they needed to do but the red sox and yankees did and so it, it kind of doesn't matter right i don't know i i i guess i'm i'm one of those people that kind of feel like I don't know that one is better than the other. It all just feels bad. Yeah. Right. Like the gradations of bad, I don't think are, are enough to really separate one from the other. I, I suppose you might hang your hat a little bit higher or whatever you want to. It's a bad metaphor, but like on, on <laughs> winning, uh, and doing all you could. But at the same time, like I look at these teams and I think, Toronto was just so much better than Seattle. Oh, yeah. The fact yeah. that they were a game apart at all is a testament to... I mean, you talk about bullpen differences. Like, yeah, my geez. God. And, you know, run differential. Seattle had a, had a minus at a 51 run differential at the end of the season and went 90 and 72. Yeah. that That is remarkable. And it's not you know, I'm I'm not trying to call them, you know, I mean, it is over performance, but I'm not trying to say it's unearned. Sometimes right. this happens. And part of the way it happens is the way this team is built. Yes. But I think if I'm if I'm a, a fan of, of either of these teams, I probably feel better as a Blue Jays fan about what what the team looks like. At the same time, you know, they could lose Semyon. I was Ray's deal, did that have an option? I don't remember off the top of my head. I know it
0: was one year. Bear with me one moment. Allow me to look at the rest of resource payroll pages. He is a free agent after 2021, is my understanding. It was just a one year eight million dollar deal for this year. So
1: Yeah. So I think the scary part of that is I mean, how many wins are what twelve wins are walking out the door?
0: potentially right those two guys
1: alone something on you know not not actual wins but wins above replacement you know you have to do you know and who knows if you get those same seasons even if they came back right Right. so there's something about squandering you know not only those seasons but Vladimir Guerrero came close to a triple crown right like how many things went right this year and yet and and was rewarded on paper to some degree 91 wins that's a great that's a great season yeah they
0: had a great year
1: but you don't make the playoffs that that's really tough. Whereas Seattle, I mean, a significant portion of the roster, and I, I not not everyone, I know it was very emotional, but uh is coming back. Right. I don't know. I, I it's an interesting I again, I would still feel better as, as a Blue Jays fan, I think. But yeah. one one question I had for you, you know, you, you were talking in the in terms of doing all you can do. Uh one thing I was talking about with Patrick Dubuque and which I, I talked about on Twitter a little bit was like, where was Julio Rodriguez? at the end of the season?
0: In Seattle, but not on the field. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that makes it worse, right?
0: Yeah, like, I mean, he, like he's he there. came back to town. I don't know if Julio would have been in Seattle were it not for when teams give out their minor league awards, right? He, right. Was, he was honored by the org for his minor league season, which was quite impressive. Yeah, it's. I had a conversation with Eric Longhagen about the Julio of it all because on the one hand, you know, we don't know what Julio would do if he were called up, right? I think that you have, oh, sure, you know, you look at him and you look at the year he had and you look at what he does really well and the upside potential to that seems advantageous to you as you are chasing a playoff spot, right? Like, here's a guy who can hit velocity at the top of the zone for power. Like, he hit the bat is impressive. There is a reason this dude is being... Hailed as like not only one of the best prospects in the mariner system, but one of the best prospects in baseball. Calling him up for this little run, like that's the go-for-it move, right? That's the we are just gonna, we're gonna pull out all the stops and see what we can do because you know, we don't know what what Julio is capable of. And it wouldn't be unprecedented, even within the Mariners organization, for him to like come up and see. I don't know, see some big league sliders and look silly. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility. But it's like, you know, this is a team that is rostering like Dylan Moore and not the Dylan Moore (laughs) of 2020 and is rostering Jake Bowers, who I will now actually remember was a Mariner because of this very conversation, right? And so I think that there are some guys on the margins of their roster who are just like certainly don't have the kind of upside even as as established big leaguers that that Julio does. And so it did seem a little bit strange to, uh, to sort of leave him out of that conversation, if only because, and I know this is not the way that organizations make decisions about promotions like this, but I would imagine, you know, I had, I had a little stirring of fan feeling around the Mariners, but there are obviously, there's a whole ballpark full of people who were super excited for the way that that season potentially was going to conclude. And you have to imagine that, They might feel a little differently this morning if they had looked at that team and were like, well, you know, we, we got to see Julio. Like it didn't work out, but like Julio was there. And that's the perspective and sort of posture that this organization was taking to this little run and the potential to break the playoff drought. So I don't know. I, I don't want to assume like a magical performance because we just don't know. Right. I think you and I were both of the opinion that because of The way that the organization had talked about Jared Kelnick and sort of where he was, that it made sense for him to be on the opening day roster. We saw how that you know early part of his debut went. Like it's not guaranteed even for guys who the industry thinks very highly of and who look like they're going to be meaningful contributors to a a competitive club. So I don't want to say that like. If they had promoted Julio, they'd be playing a uh, game one sixty three today, or they'd be in the wild card. Like we just don't know how that counterfactual plays out. But I do think that it's the go for it move, and if any organization should be incentivized to go for it, right. <laughs> it's the one with a twenty year playoff drought. So
1: right, that's that's the part, and it's under and again, I I tried to phrase it under the guise of of what we were discussing, which is kind of doing everything you right. could have done. Sure, and I think trying this is something you could have done i i don't like you said i don't want to assume that julio comes up and is a is a difference maker for this game that ultimately wasn't you know overall that close it was a four-run game i i I don't know that you assume he can come in and and make up that difference or you know and they did they they won leading up to that in the games leading up to that and that kind of thing so so we don't know but as you said like the other option here is, like, Jake Bowers. Right. Why are we not trying this? And and if the answer is, as it was for, for Kelnick, like, service time, just, I guess keep him down two more days. Like, and also, who knows what 2022 brings? We have a whole new right. CBA. Like, right. it, it seems like there's very limited downside. I, I think there is a downside. Da- I don't want to, again, I don't want to ignore that, like, you can, bringing him up into a very pressure-packed situation. Yep doesn't have its downsides. Right. You're putting him on the spot in a in a situation he's never done this before. I've often said that I think the the job of organizational management and coaches is to put these guys in a position to succeed. Yes. I don't know that that is specifically what would be happening with Julio Rodriguez. It's putting him in a position to succeed or fail, right? Like right. there's both upside and downside to this. Right. From what I know of him, he is the type of guy who would not necessarily Suffer tremendous adverse reactions to failure in a spot like this. Yeah, he, you know he has struggled before. His, yep. his the Dominican Winter League last off season oh, was yeah. not good for him.
0: No, watched him swing through some not very good breaking balls, like yeah. a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he came back with a tremendous season, which yep. I think you know speaks to his his ability to uh, you know persevere through some adversity. Right, and you know it didn't mentally weigh him down. Or, you know, to whatever degree it did, it it didn't overwhelm his his ability to produce, you know, in the 2021 season. Yep. So I I think, you know, given what we know about him, which certainly is not everything out there and certainly not everything that the Mariners know about him. But I'm looking at that situation saying, why are we not, you know taking the chance. I mean even if it's a a pinch hitting opportunity, even if it's something like he's an upgrade over Jake Bowers who we've seen what he could, Cleveland's offense was one of the worst in the league and he got cut by Cleveland. Right. I don't think the Mariners were were fixing that uh in the short term, you know, obviously things can change over an offseason, but yeah, I don't know. I it's I struggle to see him not even get, you know, put on the roster and give give the manager the opportunity to decide whether to to use someone of of his ability you know just his his uh natural abilities uh compared to to some of these other guys even though again it would be a i think it's fair to say that like there's a relative diciness to the situation
0: Absolutely yeah But
1: uh, but but man it seems worth trying to do when you're ending a playoff drought, you know?
0: Right. And I think, like, you know, if you want to sort of, if we want to be fair to the org, like, there, you know, he's not, like, a clean, straightforward sub for Bowers, right? There's the handedness difference. There's the ability to play the infield, right? Like, Bowers can play first base and did a fair amount of that. Dylan Moore plays all over the place. He's a righty bat, so, like, that's cleaner. Like, there are reasons, but to your point, it does seem like if you're going for it, you want the manager to be able to look at his sheet Uh, you know, in a critical situation and like have that option and decide, oh, like this is a place where it makes sense to like pinch it, Julio or whatever, like just put them out there and see what goes on. So, yeah, I think I don't I don't think that in the the hierarchy of like organizational ineptitude or anything that it ranks particularly high. I get the reasons it didn't happen, but it would have been I think there's a good case for it and it would have been nice to see given the circumstances. So,
1: Yeah. I'd say yeah. that was a that that you going back to your initial question. That was a disappointment, you know, not yeah. not to see them. And again, you know, like this is this team also they they rostered Matt Brash right, but he didn't right. see actual he, game action. Yeah, I mean, that's up not. to the manager, and I think right. that's okay too.
0: Yeah, I think that it's fine for given given sort of how especially that final series played out and the catch up that they had to play at various points. I think that it makes sense to me that service would look at those situations and be like this is a this is a lot to ask of yeah. of yeah. Matt Brash. I'm not going to put him in that situation. It's too much. We're going to stick with the guys who we know and who, you know, have sort of been weathering this over the last couple of months. But he had the option, right? Exactly. And he can kind of exercise discretion there. I did appreciate that if there's one good thing about how sort of the the situation played out for them, the fact that they knew they were done once Boston won did allow them a moment to like recognize Kyle Seeger, which was nice. Yes. I don't know what's going on there, but the way that they talk about it, it's like, oh, so he's definitely not coming back.
1: <laughs> well, did you see the Heyman tweet about this?
0: I read the the piece that I think he was referencing. referencing. Oh, so yeah. right it was, it was a quote. It was Heyman Divish. Yeah.
1: Tweeted, uh, right. Quoting Ryan Divish. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had a conversation in, in years, probably four years. Yeah. Yikes!
0: Not the best. Not the best. At least if what you would like is to to have them like seriously consider a return for him. I don't know. Abraham Toro, time to shine. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll sign Carlos Cray and move him to third place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: I I I think the interesting part of the I, I look, I I don't think it's unreasonable to not pick up Kyle Seager's option given his age and and the cost of the option and, sure. and kind of how he's played, which has not been bad, but no? but not. Not really worth the price of the option, probably. Uh, unless he goes to, you know, drinks whatever they are, are whatever Kool-Aid they have in San Francisco. But it is weird to have that little communication with a franchise cornerstone.
0: Yeah, that seems bad.
1: And it seems from, from what I've heard from people, and I'm sure you've heard the same being a little bit closer to, to this team is that like it seems like Depoto has a very hard line between his guys and the guys from the previous regime. Yeah. And that that's just kind of where this falls. And I think, you know, I guess I have my views on on that as an approach, which just seems crazy to me. But I I guess it's less personal with Seeger than it is just like you're uh, a representative of the front office before me. I don't I don't know. It's just but it seems very weird. And it feels I I wrote about this a little bit actually with uh, with regard to Trevor story and the Rockies, who they the team uh and I don't know if it was an organizational wide decision or whether it was uh just the the guys in the clubhouse, but they had him take the field by himself to hmm. to be applauded in their last game of the season the last home game of the season uh against the nationals in Colorado, and I think that's such a great gesture right yeah but it's also weird to me only in that they don't have to move on from him. And he right. actually seems very much like he'd like to be in Colorado with, with that team, with that clubhouse, not with that front office, uh, to be clear. Right. Uh, right. there, there, he's made statements that he's, he's shocked. He's still there. There's, I think both want to move on to some degree. But the reason that it seems like story wants to move on is it's very clear that he's not wanted by, by the front office and it's just some of these things are are odd to you know there's just an odd just, juxtaposition right in that like we're making the choice to move on, but also here like you are beloved, you know right. what I mean, and i look, I know that happens in life that happens in relationships, but it's it's still sometimes odd to to see it play out in front of you,
0: yeah, i think that I think that that is uh true i i guess like you you don't want you don't want to rob fans of their opportunity to sort of say goodbye to a guy. But you're right that it's is—it's particularly strange in moments where there is the opportunity to at least endeavor to bring that person back to the org. Um, So I see why it happens, but it's also just you do feel like it doesn't have to play out quite this way right it could be a little bit different if they wanted it to be so it's yeah. odd i have sympathy for trying how hard it must be to thread that needle right
1: absolutely <laughs> and and look scott service is not jerry de Right. and that this was his decision to to right. give him that moment it was very much uh reminded me of in college basketball they'll take a senior out you know yeah. their last game they'll they'll take them out of the game to give you know just to, to stop the game to give them the opportunity to to take in the fans and it's right. it's such a nice moment to be yeah. clear, like i I think it's so great that that Scott Service did that, and that Kyle Seeger got that moment, yeah, that is often reserved for pitchers, right We saw very right. much the same thing with Felix. But, yeah. but there's a kind of a different pacing to, to having guys come at, come out of the game in that sense. So, so yeah, I, I don't mean it as a crit- criticism in any way, shape or form. It's oh, just such an odd kind of, like I said, juxtaposition to have with, yeah. with the way the front office is acting. And I, and obviously, you know, people will say that service and, and DePoto are, you know, hand in glove kind of thing. But, but these are, these are, is a, it's a very tangible example that in, in ways that they're not, right?
0: Right. And I I think that the the sense I have gotten from Mariners fans in the last year is that they've really they've really kind of turned around on service. Yeah, I think that and it's in it's in large part due to moments like this where it seems like he is really trying his best to not only kind of smooth the way in the clubhouse so that the clubhouse is functional, but also really genuinely try to bolster these guys in difficult moments, often not in direct opposition to the way that the front office is behaving but you know conscious of sort of where the front office's decision making and DePoto's in particular might diverge from what's going to play well among the players so I think that he has endeared himself in a way that I've been kind of surprised by because I do think you know given the relationship those two guys had how they came in together that that was the perception that it was sort of a hand in glove sort of thing but it's it's a little bit it reads a little different now so okay well the Mariners did not make the playoffs so we can maybe stop (laughs) talking about them. Well, it's,
1: they're very interesting. They
0: yeah. are interesting. I think that, you know, them along with Toronto, they're going to be sort of in a, a category of teams that we all watch really closely over the offseason once the CBA stuff gets squared away because... There is obvious need on both of those clubs, and some of it is going to potentially be managed internally, um, more so I think in Seattle's case than Toronto's, but some of it might require them actually reaching outside the organization to to address stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of navigate that as, as we get closer to 2022. But now we should talk about the teams that can't yet think about that. Although I did end up having to post a Dodgers job posting this morning, so... The planning for the future. <laughs> they are thinking about it. Yeah, the planning for the future. <laughs> well they future have like stops. seven
1: AGMs, so they're fine. <laughs> They've got people who can spend time on it.
0: I don't know, just as a quick aside, I don't know if this has um been true of your experience, but I believe that you you perform a similar role to me at, at BP where you're the one who sort of manages team job postings as they come in, right? You help get those up on the site.
1: Yeah, I'm not always the one who who publishes them from the CMS. But yeah, I I, I direct traffic, so to speak.
0: So isn't it nice to have a lot more of those this year? (laughs) They can you know, it's like a thing you have to do in your day and so it can be it can be irksome at times. But last year I felt like I did like five job postings the entire year.
1: Yeah, it so is. So
0: it's yeah. it's nice. <laughs>
1: Last year was bleak in so many ways. So and this year is ways. also bleak, but there are some bright spots.
0: Yeah, it's bleak in different ways and the bright spots are I think more numerous. So, let's talk now about the wild card games because these are in some ways, the most uh, sort of well-trodden and boring possible set of outcomes that we could have had, uh, mm-hmm. but they're they're dynamic in their own ways. Even if you're out on uh, Red Sox Yankees, but let's start. Let's start with your Dodgers, Craig. Sure. Let's start with your. Dodgers who are going to have to take on the Cardinals and their purported devil magic and I guess before before we we address that particular matchup I'm going to ask you is there anything about the playoffs that you're like especially excited about and looking forward to?
1: This is again I guess by virtue of of comparison to last year and a little bit what we do but I'm thrilled to have off days again. Oh. <laughs> th- last year was look, October is a sprint yep. regardless and I actually there was a lot I really liked about last year's playoffs. I did not like how expanded they were, but I did like that bullpens were more... The depth of a bullpen was more relevant than sure. in in years past, and I think than there will be this year. It was basically impossible for a team to do what the Nationals did in 2019 yes. last year. And I actually think that's more based... On, I really... I'm a regular season guy. Like, I I like... How long the season is and the way teams kind of have to, to deal with the length of the season and all of that kind of stuff. So I, that's a little bit, there's a little bit of a contradiction there, but it was just to have a game every single day of the month, essentially yeah. was, boy, I was, I was bone tired, uh, by the end. And I just like, I'm, I am honestly excited to get back to like a, what I view as a regular, if, if they could somehow make it, more like like a regular bullpen would matter uh, as much as it did last year, but not quite the frenetic pace of it. Yeah. I'd be thrilled, but I, I don't think that's possible. But I am kind of excited about the schedule.
0: Does this mean that you are quietly rooting for for the Brewers? and their impressive rotation so as to to not have to see quite as many bullpen innings. Is that what I am taking away here, Craig? Am I breaking (laughs) news that you have relinquished your allegiance to the Dodgers? You are, in fact, now a Brewers fan?
1: I don't know that the Brewers are a great example of not using a bullpen. Their bullpen's freaking incredible.
0: Their bullpen is incredible, but they they just have those great starters. They have those rotation guys up top. Well, we'll get to the Brewers in a later episode when they are actually playing baseball, and they are not now. I think... uh, I am looking forward to. Hmm. I I want to see. I want to see how this Giants team does over the mm. course of the playoffs because I think that we are both of the opinion that our respective publications' preseason projections for the the Giants were light, <laughs> albeit. Did, in,
1: did you did you hear about those at the end of the year? I did.
0: I didn't hear about the Giants quite as much as I heard about literally every other team.
1: Sure, yeah, that's it. But
0: yeah, so I think that our, we can say that they were light, and I think that there are reasons for that that make good sense, but they ended up kind of missing um, on what the Giants were going to be able to do here. But unlike a lot of teams that find themselves sort of being end-of-season surprises, like the Giants are good. Yeah. Right? They're not over their skis. They're not like... Dramatically outperforming their expected record, like they're just a, a solid baseball team that plays good baseball. And yet, I still feel some tiny shred of skepticism about how this is going to play out, which I think is probably unfair of me. So I'm I'm excited to watch the Giants play in the playoffs. What happened, Craig?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is interesting. I. <sighs> I get what you mean. I also think they've kind of passed every test that they've been given. Like you said, like they had the second best run differential in all of baseball. Yep. I guess, look, did they overperform their run differential like a little bit? Yes. but But that
0: like only a little bit,
1: but only a little bit. And again, they were, it was the second best in all of baseball and they had the best record in baseball by one game to, to the team that had the best run differential. So like it really it really is not much different. And they beat, you know, they, they won the season series against the Dodgers. They won, they beat good team, you know, right. It's, it's not like they be only beat up on bad teams and, right. and amassed their run differential that way. They beat good teams and yep. often convincingly, but there is still that kind of, I want to see it yeah, aspect to them. And it's, It's a little unfair to them. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's, I want to acknowledge I'm being just a real stinker. Like it's tremendously unfair.
1: (laughs) No, but I don't think you're alone. You know, it's like, how, how good is Alex Wood really? Like how, how good is Anthony Desclafani really? Like Logan Webb. Logan Webb is just hitting home runs in crucial games and shutting down the opposing offense. Like I, it doesn't really make sense except that when you look at everything they did, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly interested in their bullpen to some yeah. degree. They, and not, not because I think they're going to fail. I, I think they've, Patrick Dubuque wrote about them kind of overperforming their projection and both as a team and individual projections. And their bullpen is a really interesting aspect of that is that they don't have a ton of elite bat missers in the bullpen. Right. Although they do have. Camilo Doval there now. They have Kirvin Castro, who was extremely good in the minors, uh, and came up late in the season and was, was very impressive. But, you know, so they have some of these late season guys, but, you know, like Tyler Rogers was fantastic. And the num, like no projection system is going to love Tyler Rogers.
0: Absolutely not,
1: yeah. And Dominic Leone, or Leone, I, I apologize. It's Leone. Leone, Leon. thank you. You're
0: welcome. Like, he
1: walks a ton of guys. Yeah. While also missing a lot of, like, the guys who do miss bats also balance that out with a ton of walks that, again, like, projection right. systems are not going to like, even in-season, right? right? Like, even adjusted for in-season performance. Right. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how that interacts with only teams that have, good enough offenses to make the playoffs, I suppose. Right. But I guess the counterbalance to that is, you know, they've they've played those teams in one all year as well. Right. So
0: right. Yeah. It's not like they have, you know, they, they have the D backs and the Rockies, but it's not like they have easy division foes beyond that. But there's like Jake right. McGee, you know? Jake yeah. McGee is like an important part of this baseball team. Duvall has looked Craig. I'm gonna do a <laughs> Swear Dylan. I'm warning everyone. He's looked Right.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and he had a rough intro and then she went did. back down to the minors Came and back
0: and was like oh this is fixed it i think this is it. different
1: <laughs> yeah i think jake mcgee so jake mcgee is really interesting because the dodger the dodger he was great for the dodgers last year as right. well and nominally like their closer for part of the season right jake mcgee has not pitched since september 12th
0: yeah that that is <laughs> like what yeah i don't know yeah, because he, he tweaked an oblique or something, right? He had to, yeah, he was
1: injured. But I think he was back and they still didn't
0: pitch him? That might be. Tr- he. It looks like he was reinstated on Saturday. Okay, um, so they had one the, opportunity. Yeah, But they, you thought
1: maybe maybe give him a chance in an 11 to – yeah, I was game, I was surprised
0: no. to not see him pitch yesterday, just given the margin there. Yeah, that was a bit surprising. But yeah, the that bullpen has been spectacular, and I did not. I remember when we had Grant Brisby on early in in the going to preview the Giants. We did not really think much of that bullpen outside of Rogers, and even when Grant came back to like help us understand what was going on, I was surprised by the competence that they were able to show and indeed the excellence there. So it's been, it's been a confusing thing, but it has happened enough now that we, i like have,
1: have to, to acknowledge it
0: it, it, it I have like to admit reluctant. it i know and i i'm again i'm just not being particularly fair to them so so yeah so there's so there are the giants i'm looking forward to the giants okay let's talk about the the wild cards which yes you are we're, probably we're real
1: good on topic
0: yeah we're 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 <laughs> doing fantastic work here so so i guess Let's start, as I said 20 minutes ago, with your Dodgers, who are going to face the Cardinals. And I guess, like, what are you, what makes you feel good going into this matchup, Craig? What, what makes you feel like, this is, is going to be easy. I'm going to be able to continue to watch the Dodgers deep into the playoffs.
1: Well, I mean, nothing. Right. Like, I'm a, I, I am a fan of this team and I am, I am, as anyone who, who has followed, and I, and I apologize if you have followed me on Twitter, like, I am a a fatalistic fan and I kind of just assume the worst because it helps me cope when it happens. So. Look, they're, they're a much better team than the, than the Cardinals are, but I don't like accepting that emotionally because it's just, is going to make it hurt more. If it, look, it's one game, like it can go, it can go in any direction and it really doesn't, doesn't matter. Right. Like it, it just doesn't, uh, them being, look, they, 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 on a standings basis, they, they won 106 games and the Cardinals won 90. Right. Uh, they're a much better team. Like, Rationally, that should make me feel better, but all it does is make me think it's going to be so much worse when they lose. So in that sense, nothing in an actual logical sense. Max right. Scherzer is, you know, a, a viable option for the NL Cy Young. Yep. Had a little bit of a stumble towards the end of the season. Yes. But he's one of the best pitchers of this genre. I mean, it's like him, Kershaw and, and Verlander. And I guess Granky, Yeah. And they're all free agents, I think, at the end of this year, which is weird. That is weird. But those are are the, you know, like kind of the Mount Rushmore of pitchers of this generation. And they're all pretty effective, even at their age. And Max Scherzer, you know, at this point, I not to speak ill of Verlander, but he's hurt. So right. uh, Scherzer at this point. The most effective of, of them all. Yes, and yeah, that that makes me feel very good. I mean, this their lineup in general has has started to hit. They went a very long time without scoring five runs in a game, and I think the last four games of the season scored a, at least eight runs Brave. in each of the last four games. That has to make you feel good. Trey Turner has been incredible. I mean, yep. Corey Seager has looked like the play, you know, twenty twenty playoffs. Corey Seager. Yes. Mookie Betts has rounded into form. You asked me to pick one thing. I've listed a bunch, but
0: no, those are good things. To, those are good things to list. I think th-
1: those are all the things that that would make me feel good. There are things that I, you know, that would make me feel bad. If you want me to go there.
0: Well, I I think I think maybe we should, and then we're gonna do this same exercise for the yeah. Cardinals, and so then you might come away feeling like good at the, at the end of it. But <laughs> okay. what is giving you, apart from just the the knowledge that it is one game and yeah. uh, that you are unable to accept good things in your life in a way that <laughs> probably should be talked to a professional about? Yeah. What yeah, about definitely. what about this current setup makes you feel some trepidation going into Wednesday?
1: I think the biggest thing at this point is Max Muncy is not, yeah. not going to be there. If they advance, probably not going to be in the next round. And it's just a, a really rough, you know, again, another guy in the conversation, probably down ballot for MVP, uh, had a tremendous season is such a key cog in the middle of their lineup because I, I know the saying is that, that speed never slumps, but like for him, even when he is slumping and his patience is and, and right. knowledge of the zone is so remarkable that he gets on base anyway, and so like for him, it's it's his on base never slumps. Right, I I think that's that's the biggest thing, and just kind of the number of guys that are forced into the lineup because of it. So it it, it seems to me that they're going to maybe platoon Matt Beatty and Albert Pujols in in right. his spot. Gavin Lux left, you know, they they put a tape impression of him on the wall in center field after he ran into a wall. He had been actually hitting really well in September. Right. And instead you get Cody Bellinger, which is, I guess, on some level a nice problem to have. He's an elite defensive center fielder. Right. He can't hit at all this year. Yeah. Uh And he has broken ribs. <laughs> right. Chris Taylor has a bad neck. So again, like this team is exceedingly deep, but they're all kind of, there are a lot of semi broken players. Right. So yeah, I those are those are the things and and yeah, I look, Max Scherzer's last two starts, one of them was at Coors, I don't know how right. much to to put into that. weren't ideal, I guess. Right. But I don't put too too much credence on, you know, just two starts being an issue for for someone like Scherzer.
0: Yeah, I think particularly given that one of them is at Coors, it's like that's a thing to be mindful of. I mean, I think he he can get got by home runs on occasion, but you're right, he's he's definitely, you know, Ben Clemens wrote for us today about how Corbin Burns should just be the Cy Young winner in the NL, and I found his argument persuasive, but yeah, I think But so. I, if people like Scherzer as their, you know, two or three in that conversation, I, I think that that is a completely reasonable thing. He's had an incredible year, and gosh, what a pick up for the Dodgers given <laughs> all of the other That's- stuff, including Kershaw being hurt now, right? Yes. Uh, it yes. seems to have been fortuitous on their part. Can I offer a... I don't have conviction in this. I'm not advocating okay. for it. I sure. want I want that to be clear, but I have a, a takey question for you, Craig. Hit me. Is Cody Bellinger a non-tender candidate?
1: <sighs> I've I've thought about it.
0: Yeah, I bet you have. <laughs> he has a 48 WRC+. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. He's been... Really, really bad. I think the reason he's not is his defense. Sure. And that like even a league average bat right? with, with his ability in center field is a, a, a really quite a valuable player. Right. And I do wonder how much his R figure even moves right. given how bad he
0: was. Right, right. For sure.
1: And and the, especially the fact that like defense tends to be overlooked and tough to argue for in arbitration.
0: Yes, I imagine. And to be clear, I, I know that you are not and I am not like advocating for an underpay or anything like that. But these are the these are the things that kind of come together to make a guy not really move very much. You know, if if you're going into your what it, it's his third year of arb, right? I this believe will be his so, yeah. third year, but then he's a super two, so he'll have one more after that. Okay, well, I think that's a reasonable answer. It is a question that I imagine the Dodgers have asked themselves, although they probably end up in the same place that you and I just did.
1: Yeah, I mean, just just so a quick addendum to that is that, like, I think the team, if you're the Dodgers with their payroll and their largesse, I think to me that's worth rostering this guy on the on the chance that. He finds even a league average bat, if not much better, which we know he can do. And also, just they they build themselves redundancies, right? And right. this is an expensive one, right. but it is a, a very valid redundancy. And and again, they they have the the wherewithal to to do it. So that, well, those would be my arguments that they would that I think they would keep them. I certainly would. It's not my money, so it's easy for me to say.
0: <laughs> well, and they're in an interesting spot too, because you know, obviously, they blew through all of the. They, they were like the rare team that really did blow through every everything. possible level yeah. of of. Of the, uh, the CBT, which we don't see very often, despite how much hand wringing teams seem to engage in, but they're also going to drop down pretty considerably. Granted, this does this assumes no more signings, which I imagine they will make. But like their projected luxury tax number for next year is like 148 million or something like that. So it's not like they, you know, it's not like they're going to be up against it in quite the same way. Like in theory, they can. Retain him even if he makes something like he did last year in like the 15 or 16 million dollar range and still kind of have room to maneuver from a payroll perspective, which, you know, we we don't it, that's not our money either. So we don't need to be overly fussed, but they they manage that number in a very intentional and i think uh generally quite smart way so i suspect that they're gonna be conscious of the fact that like you know they they have a bunch rolling off as it were
1: yeah i suspect kenley is is not gonna (laughs) come back or if he does at a very reduced figure right i think you can make you know who knows with kershaw is at 31 million this year and might need tommy john surgery and you know i don't know if they sign him or just let him rehab Separately or, you know, whatever, there are a lot of potential options there and you can get into less, I don't know, less uh, savory aspects of uh, if Bauer is suspended. That right. money is not on the books, and yeah. could they reinvest that in Scherzer? Could it go towards some of the these other guys? Corey Seeger is a free agent. I don't, you know, I don't know how, exactly right. how they're going to uh, to play that out. But obviously, Turner is there as a, a redundancy to him. Right. Uh, should should Seager walk, which I, I kind of expect he will at this point.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that he. I don't know that he wouldn't necessarily return, but I imagine right. he it's, will test he will test the yes. market in a meaningful way, right?
1: Yeah, and Chris Taylor also a free agent.
0: Uh, yeah. So, Man, yeah, they they I, have a
1: lot of pieces out kind of, you know, in, to be determined.
0: Yeah. Man, I hope Chris Taylor makes a bunch of money. Me too. That would be nice. Speaking of of guys who were in a prior regime that Jerry just didn't care about, but um <laughs> so let's talk about the Cardinals now. Yeah. If you're a Cardinals fan, what makes you feel confident? Can I offer a thing that makes you feel confident? Yeah, please. I should offer some content to my own podcast, I suppose. <laughs> Boy, does that defense help their pitching look better. Yeah. <laughs> I would be excited about the, the defense behind these guys. It was funny to see people get like really happy for John Lester, and I guess- Poor Jay Happ was pitching to the exact same mediocre line and didn't <laughs> yes, get any love at all. What's that about? But um, they've both looked significantly better since coming to St. Louis just because that defense is quite sterling. So that's exciting for them. The fact that Paul Goldschmidt is hitting the way that he is uh, now has to be thrilling if you're a Cardinals fan realizing that you have to both you know score runs as well as prevent them. <laughs> so that would make me feel happy. Uh if I were a Cardinals fan. What would make you feel happy if you were a Cardinals fan, Craig?
1: Yeah, I, I think the defense is is probably the the headliner Yeah, uh, and even if it's not exciting. I mean they're just right. that outfield of O'Neill, Bader, and Carlson is yeah. stupid. Yeah. O'Neal is I, I and I think I just more broadly, Tyler O'Neal is yeah. one thing that would make me feel confident. Like yes. his breakout Is really nice to see after he's he was kind of like a post prospect. Yeah. Uh, he was a buzzy name and it didn't really click for him for a while. You know, he was okay, but but not not what we're seeing now, certainly. But I know that that organization has loved his hit like the metrics on his swing, uh, just like how long it's in the zone, the type of contact he makes, all this stuff. Like they they were very confident that that he would really hit. And he finally is. And that's a big difference to their lineup. I mean, right. obviously, they they brought in Arenado, they have Goldschmidt, they have, you know, they they have these guys at the center of their lineup, but that's a that's an you need more than than those guys. And Carlson has, you know, I, I think he's kind of in the pre O'Neal stage as a as a bat, but right, there have been some flashes, Uh but to have yeah, to have that third really big bat is a is a big difference maker in a lineup like this. And and I absolutely O'Neill look small sample and all of that, but I remember O'Neill uh, really was very good against the Dodgers in their season series. And I, I, yeah, if I'm a Cardinals fan, I I really like how he played against those you know the Dodgers pitching against the right. Dodgers in general. How he played all season. Uh, that's that's a guy I I'd, I'd probably hang my hat on.
0: Yeah, I will admit to to being. Well, I don't think it was an unreasonable conclusion to reach at the time, but I just was so skeptical that he would ever make enough contact for the power to matter. Right? Mm-hmm. I just yeah. really didn't, and and that was supported by some truly terrifying strikeout rates. <laughs> oh <before>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he was in the minors, but you know, he's he has managed it in a pretty impressive way. So, uh, and he's got those big arms. Yeah. We got we well, get the he's big so
1: fast. He's, he's very the, fast. Yeah. I I feel like he's very quickly gone from like sneaky fast to Actually overexposed quite fast. as as sneaky fast you know what I mean like <laughs> right. like everyone's like oh he's sneaky fast yeah we all know yeah. but he is so fast it's really disturbing to see a guy that big move that fast
0: yeah we have to he's just a fast boy now we have to admit him ha- yeah. admit to him being a fast boy in a way that um, is like you said you just would assume that the arms would weigh him down like you just <laughs> would say oh, that's not going to work because truly his arms they're just going to weigh him down but yeah, he's he's been quite quite good for them.
1: Well, I'm I I would just also say I don't know if it's a thing to feel good about, but like the absolute devil magic guy of the year for them has got to be Edmundo Sosa, right? Yeah. Like where? Come on.
0: Where did that come from?
1: I know he was he look he was on prospect lists and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Like Definitely. you find him, but like steps in as a as an above league average bat at shortstop, and again the the defense has been has been pretty good, and he, he's a three win player.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Ugh. It's amazing. Tyler O'Neal in the 98th percentile for sprint speed, which is how being in the 22nd percentile for outfield jump doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that is how that game's out. What would make you nervous about this Cardinals team? Uh, basically everyone else. Yeah. Like the fact that the pitching is so dependent on the defense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And and like, look, Adam Wainwright's been He's incredible. He's been good. And- yeah. Look, the Cardinals had a, a plus thirty-four run differential and were eighteen games over five hundred, and part of that was winning seventeen in a row. In, in a September. row, and like, look, you you got you you got called out as you are Fangraph, but like they they uh, they were like you know a two point six percent chance to make the playoffs. I'm very sure we had a very similar. They were like oh, one yeah. game over five hundred.
0: Oh yeah! It wasn't.
1: It's yeah. not personal. That no. was a reflection of their team at the yes. time. It turns out winning 17 in a row changes your Makes playoff it, odds.
0: Yeah. On September 1st, <laughs> they were four games over 500 and three back in the wild card, and then they went five with and multiple five.
1: teams in front of them.
0: Right, and then they went Two. five and five during their like first ten games of that September stretch, and lost half a game in the standings, and then won their next 17. Right, like. It it took that, and then it took you know the Padres slow. And the Reds falling apart. Right, their collapse like a souffle (laughs) taken out too soon, too late. I don't know how souffles work, but like a like a. Like a bad souffle, one that hadn't been whipped enough. How do you make a souffle?
1: <laughs> I, I've never made one. I, I
0: don't know. It seems yeah. hard. It seems like it really does people in when they try to become French chefs. So you know that stuff happened, and they had their their streak, and then here here they ended up being. So I suspect that they will lose, but one game, man. Does the fate of the Dodgers in twenty twenty one alter your perspective on the ideal playoff structure?
1: No, because I've felt already that I don't like the the fifth playoff team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're still ideologically consistent. It's just that you already thought it was bad.
1: Yeah, and and look, I I think there's merit to the way that this. Look, well, I think the one game I I don't know if you saw Michael Bauman wrote in the Ringer uh, ranking all the wild card games. Yes, there have been some phenomenal wild yeah. card games, and and I don't hold my st- i i recognize that my stance would remove a lot of really fun exhilarating baseball. Right. But I as I said I am a regular season guy and I like I like the teams that are good in the regular season to be rewarded. Right. And I do think the Dodgers season being a 106 win team relegated to a one game playoff is I don't know if it's damning to a playoff structure but it's a shame. Yeah. I guess I think there's an easy way to fix this, which is to say like just re you know, don't Re-seed. do it based on divisional, just yeah. seed it based on win totals, you know, in the middle, you know, throughout a year. And I and I get the concern is that like some divisions are are harder than others. But like the Rays won hundred games in a division that four teams won ninety. So right. yeah, I, I think it is unsatisfying to some degree to to seed it the way I'm I'm suggesting, but I think it's more satisfying than the situation that we see unfolding this year and which we've seen unfold in other years as well because of the way that the league structures the game.
0: Yeah, I go back and forth on it because I really like the wild card. Mm -hmm. But I also I do recognize sort of the way that this doesn't always guarantee us the best field, right? It often overlaps, but it it does not guarantee us the best field. And I think that if you, like, if we're going to expand the postseason, maybe that sort of inadvertently takes care of this problem, but it also grains on their problems. So maybe it doesn't. But
1: the other thing that I would note, I think, to argue kind of against my own point or not my own point, but my own feeling is that I don't think the Dodgers acquire Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Right. Without this particular uh playoff yep. structure, and I think it's I think as a Dodgers fan it's better for me to have them do that. But I but I do think in a broader sense it's better for the game for teams not to rest on their laurels and and to incentivize winning the division and the fact that we got a one hundred seven and one hundred six win team in the same division is, to some degree, a byproduct of the wild card being such a dicey proposition. Right. And and I don't, I certainly don't think that the Giants necessarily go out and get Chris Bryant. Right. By the same token, so. Yep. On that front, I think it was a very exciting. Thing. And to, to see these teams load up on talent despite kind of a relative assuredness of making the playoffs more broadly, I, I think that's a real bonus and and something to commend this structure, even though I, in general, kind of don't have the greatest uh, feelings for it.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, now let's talk about the AL. picture. Uh, oh, okay. I guess I'm going to make you make a prediction.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: For the NL wildcard.
1: I do think... <laughs> You won't be held responsible. Uh, you're going to make me speak, speak it into... I do think the Dodgers will win. Yeah. I think they are think the better right. team. I, I think, think that's right. Max Scherzer is a better pitcher. Although, I mean, this year, again, Wainwright has been incredible. I think they're a tougher lineup even without Max Muncy. And, and, and frankly, one thing I, I didn't say that I feel good about, but I actually feel weird that I, I do feel relatively good about is, is the Dodgers bullpen has right. has weirdly been very good, and it's quite deep. Yeah. So I, I think you can have that that short leash if you need to, uh, even with Scherzer. Yeah, I, I think the Dodgers will win, but yeah. it would not surprise me if St. Louis did.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair. That seems reasonable. That seems very level-headed. And you're a fan of one of the teams, so that's impressive. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the AL, because we've been going for an hour.
1: Yes sorry everyone
0: oh that's fine this is what happens when uh when baseball pals get on to talk about baseball so exactly. you're the yankees congratulations that's exciting <laughs> Thank for you. you
1: i need to stop hitting into double plays
0: <laughs> the turtle didn't solve that problem <laughs> I, do we that know? turtle
1: that turtle's not gonna make it
0: do we know that turtle's okay do we know that the turtle's fine because like they no
1: post- i don't know and in fact i'm Fairly worried confident. About it's not okay.
0: You're worried about the turtle because they posted their picture from the, you know, the <laughs> what always looks like a basement murder room this time of year because they have to tape up the the locker room with visqueen so that it doesn't <laughs> ruin <laughs> ruin the clubhouse. And you know, there's like all of this. Unaccounted for liquid on the ground. There's just yeah. loose fluid.
1: Is, I didn't see the show, but I assume this is just what Dexter was. Like.
0: I would imagine so. And I was like, "Is the turtle part of the fluid?" <laughs> anyway, um, so you're the Yankees, and you have to face.
1: I, I need to interrupt. I do appreciate that the Yankees are kind of bringing Brockmire to life. I don't <sighs> see, know if you watched it.
0: I was but. not a Brockmire person, which I don't okay. say because I uh like people have to think I'm. It's not a it just wasn't my show, you know? And so I didn't I didn't get into it. I know that people like it. I know I, I loved think it. Ben, yeah. ben likes it. He talked to Hank on this very podcast. So this is not an anti-Brockmire stance. It is more a There's so much on, man, and I Yeah, that is true. Like I still haven't watched Succession.
1: Me neither, don't worry.
0: Okay, that makes me feel better. Or
1: Billions, which is to my mind they might be the same show.
0: I think that Billions probably is more relevant to baseball people because I believe that the lead character in that show was supposed to be based on Steve Cohen. So
1: right, you're right. Might, yes,
0: yeah. So anyway, that it's a baseball show, I think. But so is Brock Meyer. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. g- I'm, I'm behind on Bake Off too, you guys. So I'm just behind on the shows. <laughs> but you're the Yankees. Yes. You have a turtle. <laughs> you're playing the wild card at Fenway. What makes you feel confident, Craig? <sighs> Garrett Cole. Yeah.
1: Is the obvious. Look, I'm not. Why do I'm you not sound so preponations over-
0: about that? That's not a bad take.
1: <laughs> no. Well, because I was. Yeah, it's not about. I, I'm not here to. I know we want to go beyond the obvious, but like Garrett Cole is is the very obvious answer here.
0: I don't think we have to be overly clever or cute. Sometimes the yeah. obvious answer is just the right one, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it's Garrett Cole and I and I think the the one B to his one A is the health and productivity of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. Uh just in general. They've yeah. they've been they had very, very good seasons. Aaron Judge, in my opinion, carried this offense uh, yeah. substantially. I, obviously, Stanton was was there, too, but but Judge especially. And the the last the the third thing I would say that's made me feel better is Glaber Torres this last weekend seemed to be maybe finding a little something seemed to be more at home at second base with Gio Urshela at, at shortstop. I don't know that I feel great about the defense in general, uh, sure. but but that little aspect of it, getting him, him right seems to be, w- would seem to be a, a big deal for New York.
0: Yeah, I think whatever ends up happening in this game, the fact that Judge played in 148 games and Stanton played in 139 has to feel like a tremendous win for yeah. those guys as individuals and also the team as an organization. And I think, you know, if you wanted to tell me that the DH penalty is a little too strong and that Stanton has been worth more than two point six wins, I'd be like, yeah, I can, sure, that's yeah, fine. In
1: general, I, I, this is a, another much deeper topic. I, I think we need to readjust our positional adjustments yeah. in general, just as a as a you know broader as community, a,
0: as an industry. Yeah, makes it sound so official. I think that there is probably a room for improvement there too. I I will say that I agree with you, but yeah, the those those big. Beef boys. <laughs> They're the beef boys. They're the beefiest boys. I want all beef boy uh, outfield. I want the beef boy lineup. I know that you know you might say, well, Luke Void is hurt, but don't <laughs> yes. underrate Anthony Rizzo as a beef boy. That's give true. him give him his beef boy the Italian due. beef. Yeah. One
1: of one of several.
0: Yeah, I mean, like my people are really well represented. <laughs> <laughs> <this is> shocking. <laughs> so there's there's that. Those things make you feel like, uh, like you're you got the wind at your back, but then you have to grapple with with the things that might bring you down. So if you're the Yankees, what's making you nervous, Greg?
1: Yeah, I mentioned the infield defense. Uh, yeah. DJ LeMahieu is out uh, yeah. with a, a sports hernia, right? I yeah. And Yikes. Yeah, look, he has not been the guy he was when he signed the initial contract no. with them. So, so it's not. As dramatic a loss, based on on the season he's had, right. but it's still not great. And he he has been a good defender over yes. you know his time, and, and is quite versatile. So I think when you're playing Torres at second, he certainly fits better there, but Urshela at short and and Odor at third yeah. is is not ideal. And I think it extends to Gary Sanchez. And I don't yeah. you know I, this is a well trod uh, ground yeah. for criticizing Sanchez, so I don't mean to dwell on it. But I think just when you're talking about Things to be concerned about in a one-game sample, I, that's that's part of the infield defense. That's, right. that's one thing you have to consider. You know, I, I was, like I said, I'm, I'm writing about this game for us. I, I was putting together his, uh, you know, we have a section on the catchers. He's a negative in framing, a negative in blocking, a negative in throwing yeah. this year for us. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be relevant, but, you know, yep. he can obviously change the game with one swing. Yep. But yeah, I I think that's that's the the big thing that would concern me. Yeah, I I think that's the the one that stands out for me. What about you?
0: <sighs> I the 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 defense thing would really concern me I think that you know when you have Cole like you don't have to worry that much I mean I know that he has had his moments but he's Cole. he's quite good I think that that bullpen is pretty stout I know that it has also had its up and down moments in the second half but is in general quite good but the the defense yeah. would concern me the, the fact that there are stretches where the Yankees seem to not hit particularly well maybe concerns you a little bit but you know it's been better of late and you yeah, the got double
1: plays I, I mean like yeah that, it's I, it's I like know.
0: a shot it's kind of is it historic you've started your preview is it a historic rate
1: i hadn't gotten that that far into i i did uh i want it i know there was that stat going around and i don't have it off the top of my head but like gallo had basically never hit into double plays uh right. and he had like four within the first three weeks of of being a Yankee. It's it's not something I would say is necessarily predictive, but no. like it it has been a story of their season. And obviously, you know, like it's it's a thing that's going to create some dissonance between kind of what their offense looks like in aggregate and what it's actually done. Right. Uh, if that makes sense, like their yes. ability to get on base, their ability to hit.
0: It helps to explain the scoring gap between yeah, exactly. what you would expect given their other sort of rate of getting on and what they have actually scored. They currently, they lead the American league and in ground into double plays with 154. Although for the Yankees fans were like, but Meg, um, I will note that the, the the second and third place teams in the AL are the white Sox and Houston both of which have very good offenses and again these aren't really like you said they're, I don't think it's terribly predictive so you know
1: but is it a thing that could that would concern me going into a one sure. game yeah i mean i i think that's there yeah i was you know i briefly considered talking about the bullpen but i i think it's honestly pretty pretty good when you get to thin out you know the guys you don't need you know when you're when you're playing every day when you get to rely on Loisaga and 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 Chad Green right. and potentially turn Luis heel loose in a in a bullpen role. I think that could be exciting. Brian Menendez for us wrote about Clay Holmes and and the changes he's made since arriving yeah. in New York, and he's been really really good. So yeah, I I think every team kind of has some level of concern about their their bullpen, but right. I guess Chapman might be the 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 way you caveat that he's he's been a little bit concerning right. this he's year been in general. While well, the shaky yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that is a valid answer. Well, the bullpen as a whole is not necessarily particularly weak,
0: right? Yeah, um, I think that that's fair.
1: I, I think Aaron Boone might be something I'd be concerned about as a. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's a
0: hard. It's a hard conversation to have because yeah. on the one hand, you know, the instinct when a team, I think that there is an instinct to sort of call for. The managers head when the team is underperforming relative to expectation and the Yankees have had long stretches this year where they have underperformed relative to expectation, right? Like we mm-hmm. thought at fan Graphs we had them projected to be the best team in the American league. They've yep. obviously not been the best team in the American league and there's a lot of that goes into that that we can point to with the Yankees not the least of which is injuries they've been injured for stretches but i think that there's this instinct to like call for the manager's head and that isn't always really tied to the the direct role that the manager is having in securing those outcomes
1: yes as the yankee owner would tell you it's on the players
0: right which <laughs> like i mean that's not wrong it's not no a no, no it's not comp- Complete explanation, right? But it is, you know, like it was, there's something to that, right? Yes. Uh, and all of that said, there have been some moments where he has made decisions that have been sort of strange strategically. And I would imagine that in the aggregate, like it doesn't matter that much. But the place where you really do start to worry about managerial decision making is the postseason. Yeah. Because <laughs> you right. don't have 162 games for it to all smooth out, right? Like you just right. don't. So,
1: hey, I root for a team with Dave Roberts. So,
0: yeah, what is I mean, it's like a it's a fascinating case study. It's a persistent enough thing every year that you you wonder if there's something to it. Now, I guess the flip side of that is that you're paying such close attention and the stakes yeah. are so high that the that a misstep is going to be magnified in a way that um you just don't remember from regular season play, at least not yeah. generally. But I
1: also think there are ways. It's just like how it, what actually happens ends up being what everyone remembers, regardless of whether the choice was a, a valid one or or a tough one or not. I mean, it, you know, we can relate this back to the Julio Rodriguez discussion that sure. we had at the beginning, which is like, there are reasons to do it and reasons not to do it. And this is kind of where we fall on it. But like, you know, if he came out, came out in big situations and only struck out or whatever, like it ends up looking really bad, but it doesn't mean it was an indefensible choice or, you know, whatever it may be but yeah, I I think I think there are valid gripes with what Boone has done or not done right. in game situations. I'm very much of the persuasion that like for a manager, I care much more about what they do in a clubhouse compared sure. to specific X's and O's in in much of the time. But like come the postseason. That's where that that preference kind of breaks down because you want someone who calls on on the right guys and and all of that yep. kind of stuff. And I don't. I I think there are some similarities between Boone and and Roberts. And but you know to that point, like Roberts won last year, and right. it it doesn't preclude him from making the right calls. But I think it's been a source of frustration and some unfair, like you said, especially in the the first half of the season when there was a lot of kind of up and down and maybe more down than up kind of stuff happening that that was kind of placed on Boone but I I think there's also a lot of valid gripes to have with kind of the way he operates as well. So.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair. Okay, Red Sox. Mhm. What makes you think we're going to win?
1: Boy, I don't know. <laughs> the Red Sox don't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Say say more about that as my mother would say. <laughs> tell me about your tell me about your uh, Red Sox confusion because I think I maybe share it, but okay. I also think that I am potentially not underrating them, but not giving them sufficient credit for being good at some stuff.
1: Yeah, I think I. I guess I think like they're a solid team that banked a ton of wins early and just right. never felt very convincing to me as as a top. T- like I look, the Red Sox are here and the Blue Jays aren't. I think the right. Blue Jays are a better team. Yeah, I think, that that's and right. like. Nathan Ivaldi has been good. I don't think he's a reason I would feel good about winning this game, especially matched up against Garrett Cole. I, I, I guess the reasons, again, would be the very superficial ones, but like Xander Bogart's, Raphael Devers, and Kyle Schwarber's been fantastic for them. Uh that trio would would I guess make me feel pretty good as a as a supporter of of, of their lineup, but I don't know that it's exceed like this lineup as a whole makes me feel better than I do about the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, we can get into concerns later, but yeah, I just don't everything feels very thin to me. I don't necessarily mean on a depth level, but like in terms of the margins for this team and so I don't I they've just kind of defied my expectations all year. Right. I actually said coming out of the the trade deadline that it wouldn't surprise me if they were the fourth place team in the AL East they weren't that far from being the 4th place team in the AL East this year as it turned out and they they had a considerable lead at that point. So, yeah, I I guess I just don't I don't feel great about this team in general.
0: It's funny because if you look at just where they stack up from a team leaderboard ranking perspective, like this is a good, this is a good yeah. baseball team. It's a good baseball team even if to your point, you look at it from the perspective of just the second half, where they have not necessarily been quite as sterling as they were in that early hot run. Like they are hot run. Like they are, by our version of war anyhow, they are tied with the White Sox in mm-hmm. the second. Although half. Although
1: the White Sox, you know
0: had, had some guys little, missing.
1: They had some guys missing. And and look, Louis Robert came back and everything like that. But they kind of they built, you know, like a 10 game lead right sometime in July and just kind of coasted to some
0: degree you know they're they're fourth in the American League by WRC plus in the Mm -hmm. second half they're pitching which I feel like every time I see Red Sox fans engaging with their baseball team they just think that they're like the worst staff (laughs) in the history of baseball and they're they're like a pretty mediocre staff, right? And in the, in the second half, they're like seventh. Yeah, but again, these are like minute war differences. Like this isn't, you know, right? So right.
1: I don't know. Like Chris Sale came back, but he wasn't pre-injury Chris Sale. Yeah, he definitely wasn't White Sox Chris Sale. He lost right. to the Orioles in a pivotal game. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez has was I think you know looked good in aggregate. Yeah, but, but kind of shaky uh, yep. at times. Tanner Houck is like a five-inning version of Chris Sale. Yeah, and and Chris Sale might be the five inning version. He's like a righty. He he's been good too, but again, it's it's kind of not the most reassuring. You know, like I don't know. I it's it's like Garrett <laughs> Garrett Richards. Yeah, uh, completely fell apart post yeah. sticky stuff crackdown, and then yeah. shifted to the bullpen and has been really remarkable. Good. Yeah, as as a bullpen guy, like, is that real? Like, do you feel right. comfortable with that? No. I don't know. He did it. I'm not trying to yeah. to invalidate it. He did it, but. I don't feel great about it. I think the other part that makes me less confident, I shouldn't say less confident, but but le- more skeptical of their their lineup to some degree is like I've never really been a Hunter Renfro guy. But he's good. Like he's just like I he's got a 500 slug this year and he's yeah. still got a 114 WRC plus and like he that's just plain good. Like I'm not Yeah. I can't argue with it, but I, I don't, you know, on a visceral level, it doesn't make me feel comfortable.
0: How do your guys' defensive metrics feel about Hunter Renfro this year? So
1: they really like him. It has him at plus 6.9 in FRAA. Okay. Is, they didn't love him last year, but basically on par with his uh, last season in San Diego in 2019.
0: Okay. Because our... Yeah,
1: I was just looking at that. I noticed it didn't. Didn't particularly like him.
0: Yeah, UCR doesn't care for him. I think... Fenway's kind
1: of weird, right? Fenway's
0: kind of weird. I mean, like, he's just an interesting guy because, like, you can't deny the arm. Right. Right? Like, the arm is incredible. But, like, Outs Above Average doesn't love him.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I, I tend to... I mean, look, we have our own metrics and all of that. But right. But I, I find Outs Above Average compelling, I suppose I would say.
0: Yeah, I do too. It doesn't care for him in either right or center. I mean, he's only like a little bit negative, but he is a little bit negative. I don't know. He's he's kind of confounding to me because you can't deny the arm and that's why he's where he is. But I do I do sometimes feel like the routes he takes at balls are kind of just so so I don't know. He's mm-hmm. he he's a defensive mystery to me because I feel like I had I had established a view of Renfro in San Diego really in his early going when I think pretty much every defensive metric thought that he was pretty bad and then he got better and he like worked to get better and my perception of him did not adjust quickly enough like I or really adjust at all in part because like he was on bad Padres teams. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I wasn't engaged with him as a fielder because I wasn't really engaged with him as a baseball player because he was playing for some pretty crummy Padre squads.
1: And he also, You know, like the on base is like 300 sub 300 for his right. career. Like, yeah, it's just right. it's a tough way to be a good baseball player.
0: Right. And so i he is the kind of guy where I feel very open to potential correction because I don't think that I ever quite caught up to where he was. And then I think I kind of overcorrected to the point where I was surprised that his metrics had sort of trended back, not universally, obviously, but had sort of trended back in the negative direction again. So I don't know. Hunter Renfro, I also just, mostly my experience of Hunter Renfro is still, to this day, being momentarily confused that he is not Mike Trout every <laughs> single time he is in the batter's box.
1: Yeah. Well, to your broader point, like his, you know, if you look at B-Ref, like his defensive war metrics there are generally negative. It's weird right. too, because the offseason he went from San Diego to Tampa Bay I feel like the conversation was well he's a really good defender right. right uh who also can hit for power right but you know if you look at our, our metrics really liked him that year yeah. again like FRAA had him as a plus seven that that year from his last year in San Diego had and then he went to Tampa but B refs don't really you guys Fangraphs did you know he was plus five he right. went from negative five to plus five, but then back to negative in Tampa, we had him slightly negative in Tampa. So did, so, so did B-Ref. I don't have ats above average up, but like, yeah, I don't, it's, it seemed like there was very quickly a consensus that he's like a power and defense right. outfielder. And I don't, he might just be a power outfielder. Right. But this year that's been good enough for a couple wins.
0: Yeah. You know, with a, a couple, with for, a, for us you know,
1: it's three wins with the defense, but even without it, you know, it's, it's right around two.
0: Right, we have we have him right around two. He's an above average hitter. He's hit 31 home runs. He might just be What if he is just Mike Trout though? What if he's just like hurt Mike Trout? <laughs> like
1: damaged Mike Trout?
0: Yeah, what if Mike sure. Trout was like the Angels won't let me play, those scamps. But you know who will? Boston. <laughs> Maybe it's a conspiracy.
1: Mike Trout with a calf injury.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, like Yeah, sure. I- If you stood them next to each other, I would not be convinced it is two people. I would think it was one person moving back and forth very fast. Mm -hmm. Like, they Mm -hmm. just are the same thumb. (laughs) They're the same thumb. Okay. So, I think that we've kind of done justice to the Red Sox, because the thing we're worried about is that they might just be the Red
1: Sox. Right. Well, I was going to say, the thing that worries me is J.D. Martinez. (laughs) Can we just very Um, briefly say, he hurt himself tripping on second base, going out. I mean, when... Going out to play yeah. to play defense. He, yep. The concern with JD Martinez has always been his defense, but I didn't think it was like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, have we heard? Um, if he will be available?
1: No, I have not seen one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously the ankle, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's quite you know there, there's quite an impact there. If, yeah. If not, he's been. You know he was awful last year, but I guess maybe he got the in-game video back on his iPad and he's he's back to being basically JD Martinez. Right. And yeah, that that's a tough blow if if he's not available. the The other thing was in my preparation, I was talking to Ben Carsley, one of our our writers and a Red Sox fan, and I said, "Why is this team? Why might they carry three catchers for a wild card game? Because that doesn't make sense to me." And he said, uh, I regret to inform you that Alex Cora likes to pinch hit Kevin Plowacki. Yeah, and, he really
0: does. <laughs> it's and very that, strange.
1: That makes me feel not great.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah, it doesn't
1: mean that it's bad or wrong or any like I don't know the results as a pinch hitter. I could pull it up. I don't know. But like I yeah, that makes me concerned.
0: Well, and I guess the other thing that we should make mention of here, just because it's a strange result of the way that Major League rosters are constructed and the rules around them, this team, I don't think I'm wrong here, this team will be without Jose Iglesias because he's not postseason eligible for the Red Sox.
1: Right, right. 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 So, so now you're stuck with like Christian Arroyo? Yeah. Maybe.
0: Maybe. They ran
1: out Bobby Dalbec at second.
0: Yeah. Right. To try to see how that was going to go. But yeah, Iglesias, who was underwhelming for the Angels in 114 games, which is the sample we should likely pay better attention to, but was just like very good for Boston. In 23 games and 64 plate appearances, just isn't eligible for the postseason roster because of when he was acquired by them. So that's a a bit of roster vagary that they're going to have to sort out. And yeah, it was I had some sympathy for them because you know their wild card race was so tight that it wasn't like given how he was playing that they could really seemingly afford to bench Iglesias. But then then what do you do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean they're they're stuck in the situation where it's either Christian or Royo. I think at at second. Yeah. Or Kike Hernandez at second. Right. Where he's not been nearly as good as he has been in center field, which, you know, I I have a a lengthy history with Kike and that's very weird to me. Yeah. Because he was not a bad defensive infielder. Yeah,
0: I cannot say that I have a strong like mental image of what Kike in the field looks like for Boston. Have you watched enough to to say if if you, with your experienced eye, feel like that fits your eye test interpretation of him? Is this like small, you know, single season defensive metric vagaries? Like what what do you attribute that to?
1: I don't have a a great answer on what to attribute it to other than like, I wonder if... (sighs) I wonder if it's a positioning thing with the Dodgers and Red Sox, just like a difference between the team.
0: It could very well be that. And because
1: he, I often felt not great about him in the outfield, but yeah. he's been really quite good in the Red Sox outfield. So so it's possible that it's something for him that they're doing in the outfield that's very successful, successful whereas the Dodgers maybe had, a, had an edge on positioning in the infield. I, I'm sure. not entirely sure but he can play the position yeah he obviously has for extended periods before they could put him at second but then then center field gets very dicey right and you put I guess Kyle Schwarber in the outfield, (laughs) which is like then you're playing I guess Alex Verdugo in center or Renfro I guess which as you said like has not gone great it just gets really kind of ugly quite quickly yeah
0: so that's that's a thing to watch. Yes, as they would say. Who do you think emerges victorious in this one?
1: I I give the edge to the Yankees.
0: I think I do too.
1: Yeah, as was, I just have a general lack of belief in Boston. I don't feel great about the Yankees but I, I do think they have I, I think they should be favored I'm I'm curious what our we have not run our, our single game projection yet
0: yeah ours will be up tomorrow morning yep. Dan does his game by game stuff sort of similar to your guys's single game thing so we'll see what the numbers say tomorrow but yeah it's I feel like again you know one game playoff anything can happen but my perceived My perceived gap in the talent between these two AL squads is significantly narrower than it Mm -hmm. is for the NL teams, but I think a gap still does exist for me, even if I can't quite put a good finger on why. I mean, I can, but it it doesn't fill me with confidence. I hate having to do the predictions. I haven't. (laughs) I haven't done mine yet. <laughs> I made our staff do theirs and then I'm going to have to aggregate them together this evening and like get our our playoff prediction post ready. But um I don't feel super confident, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, hey Craig, uh we've been talking for an hour and a half now, so I think we should wrap up uh for sure. the sake of, you know, of Dylan more than anything. But Craig, what would you like to plug and uh where can people find it?
1: Uh yeah, just Baseball Prospectus at baseball Our That's our website site. in yep. general. Yeah, it, it's a it's a good website, as people are fond of saying. Uh, if you like Fangraphs, I think you'll like what we're doing as well. And I suppose, yeah, I also do a podcast. You do? Five and Dive. It's generally twice a week. And uh, I will be recording. I will actually re- be recording that tonight on Twitch, I think. Ooh. I'm a bachelary. Fun. So I'm sure I will get to, to say a lot of the things that I, I just said to you. But... Yeah, it should be fun. And yeah, just check us out and uh, I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Yeah, and you can find Craig on Twitter at CD Goldstein, even though his username changes all the time (laughs) in a way that is confounding to me. His his actual at... Remains the same, so check him out on Twitter. you can see him suffering through not a bad. likely Dodgers win. Uh, I hope for your sake, they do, although I don 't know are the playoffs easier from a work perspective if your team isn't in them? I don't know what yes. it's like, Craig, so I need help'm
1: <laughs> i sorry uh yes, I think it is if they're not if they're not in it there's uh again, like i said the, the, there's a calm down to yeah. to every like to every game basically, and to not have to go through the processing of those emotions of that exhaust, that particular kind of exhaustion certainly makes kind of dealing with what's coming up, uh, I think, a little easier or I guess maybe just a little less time consuming. Sure. I just, I like, a, look, I did this last year and the, the Dodgers won the World Series and, like, I felt like there was, like, an hour to 90 minutes after every Dodgers game where I was useless. Yeah.
0: That's like fair. I just
1: needed to kinda like process. Yeah. And it's not ideal it for, me, for me to be useless yeah. in that time. So yeah, it's I think easier, but it's obviously there's a benefit to being, you know, as engaged and and all of that. So wow. I'm not gonna complain about it. It's it's yeah.
0: I guess what our I think our takeaway here should be that you can't lose as an individual because you either get to watch your favorite uh, team advance bar or you get to have an easier time at work and both of those things are good so yeah. well craig we will have you back to help fill this benless month but in the meantime thanks so much for joining me
1: it was an absolute pleasure thanks for having me
0: that'll do it for today thank you for listening you can support effectively wild on patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild the following five listeners have already signed up and pledged some small monthly amount to help keep the podcast going and get access to a few special perks alex kobayashi carlos steinman devin laurel adam davi and nate jord sorry guys if i said any of your names wrong you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild, that is when Facebook is working, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. Keep your questions and comments for us coming via email at podcast at or via the Patreon messaging system if you're a supporter. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for his editing assistance. I'll be back later this week with new guest co-hosts and new episodes, but until then, enjoy the wildcard games, whatever your rooting interests may be.
1: Walk it in and walk it out All of these nights I'll sleep with the windows down But i